They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is the GenSend Podcast with Shane Pruitt, Paul Wooster, and Lacey Via Sr. of the Jen Sen podcast. As always, I've got my friend Shane and Paul with me. How are y'all doing today? Hey, hey, how's it going? <laughs> well, today I'm excited because we're talking about something that I think 99%, if not 100% of collegiate and youth leaders have struggled with or struggled to maintain. And that's volunteers and student leadership teams building that, maintaining that. So I'm excited to dive into this with y'all because I know you've had a lot of experience, you know, up close and also just seeing from afar what works, what doesn't work. And so I hope that by the end of this episode, those who are listening feel equipped to build a volunteer leadership team with a really high culture of commitment, especially in our low commitment world. And I know this year at the SBC, y'all were on a panel that was really interesting to listen to. If any of you want to go back and listen to it, it's actually on the Cooperative Programs YouTube channel, and we'll link it in the show notes. But it was a panel about the revival generation and stewarding the revival generation, Gen Z. And you talked with a high schooler, Sarah Barber, who's a Bart Barber, the SBC's president's daughter. And she said something that really struck me. She said, my generation doesn't want to just be led by the church, but we want to have a role in the church. And so how have both of you seen students impacted by the opportunity of getting to serve? And how have you seen churches and ministries impacted by students serving as well? Yeah, absolutely. And man, and that was such a great discussion. And uh, she was right. And really what she did is just uh, confirm things that we've kind of been saying for the last couple of years about especially Generation Z, because they're not just a spectator generation. They want to be a a participant generation. And so, you know, one thing we got to realize as leaders is Generation Z, young adults, college students, teenagers, they want more out of church than just going to potluck dinners. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like they want more out of church than even just listening to us preach. Listen, there's probably not a lot of 15-year-olds or 20-year-olds that are excited about church when it's just them show up and listening to us preach. So how do we truly mobilize that generation to be the church right now? And that's a question we always got to ask because I think the conversation has been shifting with next-gen leaders as we've been trumpeting this for a couple of years is where you hear other next-gen leaders saying constantly now, hey, students aren't the future of the church. They are the church right now. So how do we move from just saying that as a banner statement to actually implementing it? And one of the great diagnostic questions that we can ask about our ministries, whether it's a collegiate ministry or a youth ministry, is what do we currently have adults doing that students can do or should be doing? Um, And ask that question, what do we currently have adults doing that students can and should be doing? And a lot of times, as collegiate leaders and student leaders, that scares us because we're like, man, I'm begging adults to serve already. So if I take all their jobs away, I'm going to lose all my adult volunteers. 
And no, that's not it at all. You just change their focus to go, hey, hey, Rick, instead of you running the soundboard every week on Wednesday nights, here, here's John. He's yeah. 16. He's going to start running the soundboard. But guess what, Rick? You didn't lose your job. Your job is actually more important because we're going to use the soundboard as a common interest ground. And you're going to start discipling this kid as he's learning to run the soundboard. So Again, what do you currently have adults doing that really students could be doing and then change the role of those adults, expand their vision to say, now you are discipling these students as we're using a common interest ground here for them to serve. Yes, I love that. There, thought on that is you can never start too soon, even if you're in junior high ministry, high school ministry, or even with a brand new believer that's a college student, man get them serving right away because if they can plug into a serving role that gives them a kind of hook so to speak to keep them coming back and it also helps them experience um god in real authentic ways cuz you you discover character issues that come up or just stressing or whatever it is that they and that the holy spirit can kind of help them process in the context of serving and that's where where adult volunteers and others come into play where they can speak in during those messy situations that come up when we have students serve but personally i would much rather have um it be a little messy and uh, have more students serving than to have this perfectly neat and tidy ministry with all these professionals running the show when really our goal is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And for us in next gen ministry, that's students. That's really good. Yeah. You kind of alluded to it, Shane. I think we get a little nervous empowering students or collegiate students because let's be honest, most teenagers and young adults aren't the most reliable people. <laughs> and so we get a little bit nervous, but I really do think it's worth it. Like you said, Paul, it's worth the mess. It's worth it to see that change in students, to see that discipleship in them. Um, and so how do you build a student leadership team that sticks, that calls these students um, higher and allows them to kind of have a responsibility and a stake in it to where they are showing up every week? Yeah, I would say you got to lead with the vision. You got to lead with the mission. That comes first is we're here not only just to have a nice program, we're here to reach our community for the gospel. We're here to reach non-Christians and then seeing students' lives cross from death to life, even among their peers. Man, when, when we started seeing that at Chico State, we couldn't keep students out of our student leadership team. But it had to start with evangelism. It had to start with there's nothing that motivates fishing like fish on the stringer, right? And so Christians are like, man, I want to be a part of this because we're seeing lives change right in front of our eyes. So what I always say is when you want to build a student leadership team is lead with vision, not just with expectations. So you lead with the vision for reaching people, making disciples, you cast that strong vision and you do have some clear expectations, but that's not what's driving What's driving is the mission and the vision. Yeah, that's such a good word, Paul. And I agree. And I and I think, you know, as leaders, we we need to know who we're ministering to and to go. If we're using a lot of students, whether they're collegiate students or young adults or teenagers, if we're using a lot of students in leadership roles and serving roles, um, are they going to be late? Probably. 
you know, <laughs> are they not going to show up sometimes, you know, um, are they going to show up unprepared? Probably. And so we just <laughs> need to know that up front and always have a backup plan. So I say, don't like, don't like neglect your plan or move away from your plan to go and we're going to empower students. Just always have a backup plan to go, Hey, we're depending on a 14 year old to show up 30 minutes early. If they don't, what's our plan, but we don't want right. to rip this opportunity away from this 14 year old or 20 year old or 22 year old. So I so say you still move forward with the plan. Um, but it, it doesn't hurt to have a backup plan for if they show up and they're not ready or they're going to fail. Guess what? They're going to mess up. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're going to, they're going to short the soundboard out 10 minutes before it starts. Just have a backup plan. Just be ready. And I think a lot of times as leaders, especially as we get older, um, you know, Lacey, I don't know if you know this or not, but Paul and I are getting older every day. I don't know if you know <laughs> I, I couldn't tell at all. Yeah, yeah, Grace yeah, not yeah. showing at yeah, all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you know, like, I think the older you get as a leader, it's easier to forget like how you were when you were 20 or right. how you were when you were 16. So don't lose that, you right. know, to go, man, if a 16 year old's at church serving in my story, they're way further up the road than I was. Cause at 16, the Lord or church wasn't even on my radar. So if you have a right. 16 year old serving, don't lose the beauty of that. And, and to remember, Hey, we probably were not the most responsible people on the planet when we were 16 or 20 either. Yeah, That's absolutely. Good. I, I started serving, I want to say in middle school and yeah, I wasn't the most reliable, but I really discovered a lot of my calling. It was the thing that kept me in church a lot of times, or, you know, just having that responsibility of if I don't show up at all, I am dropping the ball. And I think pairing the student, like you said, with a with somebody who is older than them helps with that and kind of helps to check in with them to text them. Hey, how are you doing? Are you coming this week? That kind of thing. And so I, I think it's just, there's so much that we're missing out on if we don't have students serving it's discipleship. It helps them discover their calling. It helps them the buy-in of the ministry. I mean, it's just a wealth of goodness, I think. Lacey, oh, and not to chase a rabbit, but to kind of chase a rabbit in this vein right here. <laughs> um, let's be honest. A lot of the the students that we're impacting, reaching, mobilizing, discipling, um, and we go, man, they don't have a super high commitment level yet. Let's just be honest. Um, a lot of that is because neither do their parents. Um, mm -hmm. Like when you look at the average church attendance and what's considered as plugged in, it's radically changed over the last 10 years. In fact, let's yeah. just be honest. It's radically changed over the last three years. We're used to, you know, people will go, man, most of our church, they're here every time the door is open or they're here at least three out of four weeks. Now, if you go once a month or twice a month, that's considered regular church attendance. And so mm -hmm. we can't forget a lot of these students are coming from families that have that same mindset yeah that's a good that that's a whole nother episode that we can <laughs> yeah, dive sure. into yeah <laughs> right wow that's good Paul I heard you say something really good I think on the same panel or maybe one of the other panels that you did at SBC but you said we need to raise the bar of personal discipleship we shouldn't apologize for asking too much of students we should apologize for asking too little and I think so many students would nod their head and agree and say yes I want to do more I want to have more responsibility but I also have seen this even with adults that serve in the student ministry or serve in college ministry or even kids ministry a lot of times we get nervous we don't want to ask them to disciple another student and 
have them, you know, coach another student or take on another leadership role. Um, but they really are just waiting for opportunities. And so how much leadership ownership would you recommend giving to these student leaders and these volunteers that are in your ministry? And is there too big of an ask? Yeah, there. I think there is. It is possible to go too hard on that direction, but for most of us, that's not our issue. And I love to start small. You know, Jesus said, "If you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much." And so, I'll start with something, an easy win for someone that's a potential student leader or an adult volunteer, and then I'll give him a tons of encouragement and cast vision for the next level of commitment. And you can even customize what you're asking of people. And uh, I like to fit in if I have, let's say I have a single adult that um, is not married, doesn't have kids and wants to be an adult volunteer with my college ministry. I'm going to give them several nights a week that they're able to invest in, assuming that they're working a full-time job during the day. There's they're going to be able to almost function like a staff member if they want to. And so we have some that are adult volunteers that are giving 10, 15 hours a week on top of their full time job. But then we have others that maybe they'll give one slot a week. And so you can kind of arrange that, especially adult volunteers. And then students, you should know the demographic and the, the typical schedule of the student that you're reaching. And figure out realistic asks of those students. And so we, and then when you do that, you cast that high bar and call students forward into it. We have a clear core team at Chico State where we figured out we can ask students about 10 hours a week um, where that we can ask them to devote these different time slots. And we're making sure that those time slots are really meaningful and really important and strategic. And they're also personally involved in personal discipleship during the week and they're discipling other students, they're being discipled, but we have a certain number of things that we're asking that we know that they can do it if they want to. And so I think that's the key is we don't necessarily make everyone feel guilt. We don't make people feel guilty if, if they, if they don't want to step into this student leadership team, but we make it available to the ones that, we see that potential in, and we even recruit them into it. So we say, hey, I see a lot of potential in you to be a leader in the ministry. And we have this opportunity that's really a next level commitment. And it, it can train you and equip you to be a leader in ministry. And this is the expectations. That's where expectation comes in. And you clearly communicate the time commitments. You make everything super clear and say, hey, pray about it this week. And next week, let's talk and see if you're ready to jump in. To this opportunity then they've really thought it through they feel honored they feel they feel like empowered by it and then when they give their yes they've they've jumped into that and then we have peer-to-peer -peer accountability in the context of our student leadership team meetings so we'll have um, vision casting from staff we'll have training but then we break them into little groups and they get to keep each other accountable as students for who they're sharing the gospel with, even their devotional life, but also their ministry opportunities and responsibilities that they have. And so, man, there's something about peer-to-peer -peer prayer. And it's not just like, oh, how's it going? It's like, hey, who are you sharing the gospel with? Okay, let's stop and pray with them right now. It feels like the book of Acts, man. We have like 50 leaders 
at Chico State. And we get in that and they split in those little groups of five. And there are hundreds of students that aren't saved that are getting prayed for that night. And so it's powerful when you have that vision. So those are just a few, few little things. That's incredible. I love that. I love that there's so many different layers to it. And I love that. Yeah, you ha- you have a little bit if people want to do that. But then you have this, this kind of higher level discipleship, if people want to go a little bit deeper, be on that team. Shane, what are some opportunities you've seen within collegiate and youth ministries that have worked really well for students? Yeah, one of the ones I want to point out is kind of going back to what Paul said earlier, which is just solid gold about like raising the bar by raising their vision. Um, Because yeah, vision is always a greater mobilizer than guilt, right? Because even if you can win people with guilt, eventually that guilt wears off. And so does their (laughs) passion for serving, right? Um, And so when you raise the vision, the vision of reaching people, mobilizing people with the gospel is always going to be there. You know, and I think of, you know, a common friend that we all have and a friend of our ministry, uh, Jonathan Pakluda or JP. And he tells the story about when he was leading the porch uh, early on in that ministry, they were like begging for volunteers, you know, they'd be like, we need (laughs) readers. But what they were doing is they were making that position that they were trying to fill as the like end goal, right? So he was all like, we need greeters, we need greeters, nobody's here to greet. And no one would sign up for that. So finally, they just changed the vision and they go, no, no, no. What we need is evangelists, disciple makers, and missionaries. Mm. And the way we're going to help you do that is we're going to train you how to share the gospel at any time. Uh, We're going to train you how to make disciples at any time. And we're going to train you how to be like care for people. So when there's a 20 year old that maybe is wrecked after the service, as they're leaving, you're going to be ready to care for them and to pour into them and encourage them. Now, here's the deal. We're training you to be evangelists. We're training you to be disciple makers. We're training you to be missionaries, but your post to do that is going to be opening this door for people. And all that is, is giving you a post where you're ready at any time to be a missionary disciple maker and evangelist. And he said, when they started changing that language, then they had too many volunteers and they were like, all right, you can serve once a month because there's 600 other people that want to do that, you know? And so what they did is they just raised the vision to go, no, no, no. Our job is not to make you a a greeter or a door opener uh, or a volunteer at the coffee bar. Our job is to make you an evangelist, disciple maker, missionary. And the way you're going to do that is you're going to do that at this post for us and be ready at any time to truly minister to people. I think when you give that kind of vision to young people, they're going to be all over that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they're so hungry for that because you don't get that sitting in service. Like, yes, you get solid teaching. You get to learn the Bible and, um, things like that, but you're not going to get that. How do I actually share the gospel with my friend? How do I actually help them walk through grief and things like that? So I love that he casted that vision that way. And this, you kind of answered where I wanted to go next, but Paul, maybe you have some more thoughts, Shane, maybe you have some more, Um, but in our fast paced culture, it can be really hard to get leaders to stay long-term. It's very moving from one thing to another. Um, There's been studies that even like millennial and Gen Z, they transition jobs more often than any other generation. It's just very, we're very transient. And especially in a college town, I'm sure Paul, you've experienced this. It's even more transient. And so what are some key factors that you have seen that have helped create this high commitment culture in high commitment leaders in a ministry? Yeah, I would say that 
is actually an advantage. When we, we really need to think about this as one of the strategic reasons for student ministry is we are like what Shane was saying, JP said, we're raising up future evangelists, disciple makers and missionaries to send all over the world. So when I see a student leader or an adult volunteer that's just gonna be with me for a couple of years, I'm like, I am training them to be a lifetime disciple maker. And that accelerates your urgency to really invest in them. And actually, if you have, this is kind of a hack, is you can create a list of resources and training objectives that you repeat every two or three years. <laughs> and so you can kind of do the same stuff over and over again, and you create this really effective package that if someone joins as a leader in your ministry, you know they're getting those things ingrained into their, their life. And this whole thing about student leadership teams and adult volunteers, I think training, we need to not just think about equip, like equipping them for specific things, we need to be training them in general. So it's a training opportunity more, almost more than it is a serving opportunity. And uh, one of my um, mentors calls it the PAR principle, privilege, accountability, and responsibility. Those things have like an interrelationship where there's a privilege to be a leader in this ministry. And that means that us as the staff are going to disciple you, train you up. But there's also accountability and responsibility. So you have to have all those things playing together. And the more responsibility you have, the more accountability you have. And so there's kind of like this, people can climb the ladder, so to speak, but it's in serving and ha being accountable to being a part of that. But the idea is it's we're here to train them, not to use them. <laughs> we're, uh, there, there's a shift that we have in our mind is we're here to help you with your ministry, yeah. not you're here to help us with our ministry. Mm. So there's a big difference there. That's really good. That's a good word. Shane, what would you say to those who are struggling to find and maintain leaders? Yeah, that's a great one. Great question, because I think everyone's there, because no matter the size of your ministry, you know, whether it's a, uh, maybe a dozen to, you know, tens of thousands, we're always looking for more help, right? We're always looking for more volunteer. <laughs> There's very few, you know, we told the story of, uh, you know, of uh, the porch going, oh man, now we got all these volunteers. What do we do with them? That's such a rare story. There's right, not a lot right. of churches going, hey, we have too many volunteers who need some, you know? Um, so <laughs> we're always looking for more. Uh, this sounds like such a Sunday school answer, but it was really the answer that Jesus gave us, you know, in, in Matthew 9, we love that. Paul and I love to quote Matthew 9 all the time. But when, mm -hmm. you know, you look and it says, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Um, we believe a lot of times the laborers are currently in the harvest. So what we got to do is call them out, disciple them, and set them free to be laborers right back into the harvest. Well, after Jesus says, you know, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. The next thing he says is, hey, don't build a strategy. Uh, you know, don't write a book. I mean, that's what Scott Payson did, right? I was say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he didn't say he didn't say that. But what did he, what does he say? He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And so I think yeah. a lot of times prayer is a very important step we skip over when we're trying to find more leaders and more volunteers. So I'd say start with prayer. Ask the mm -hmm. Lord of the harvest to call out and raise up laborers for the harvest because it's his harvest. 
it's his laborers, it's his message, it's his mission field, it's his bride. So we need to go to him first. And I know that sounds like a Sunday school answer. I just think prayer is one of those things we skip over as we're trying to figure out new strategies. So I say pray and then really like bless those those leaders that you have. I think a lot of times we are we're always looking for more and more leaders. Um, and more and more people to serve that we overlook those who are already doing it. And yeah. a lot of times um, we overlook them and they're getting burned out. They're struggling. They're running spiritually on empty. They haven't been recognized in a long time. We haven't shown them gratitude in a long time. And so I found a lot of times if we take care of the leaders we have really, really well, meaning care about not just their serving capacity, but also care about their souls and their spiritual yeah. well-being, make sure they feel loved, give them some gift cards, take them to coffee, you know, bless them. Then a lot of times they're going to go recruit others. They're going to be your greatest advertisement um, because they're going to talk about how fulfilled they feel, how loved they feel, you know, what blessing they have because they're serving the Lord and serving his bride. So I'd say like pray and ask the Lord for more, but also take really good care of the ones you have. Yes. Um, And then they'll spread the word as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a really good encouragement. Paul, would you end by just giving those who are striving to build this healthy ministry culture and leadership team, would you just end by giving them a word of encouragement? Yeah, sure. I, I was just inspired by what Shane was saying. And I think about David and his mighty men. You know, he he led with a vision and a commitment to God and a love for those men. And so, and then as a result, you get them fighting hundreds of people off so hard where their hand is stuck to the sword. You you get uh, men that were, were went into the enemy, enemy camp just to get a sip of water for David, you know? And it was because he had that genuine love for the Lord, that love for them. And uh, he was about the mission that God had, had given him. And so that's really what we need. We need to you 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 can't use people you have to love people invest mm -hmm. in people yeah. and um man i just think about if you lead with love if if people genuinely sense that you love them you care about them that you're more committed to their growth than the ministry's growth right that you you care more about your your leaders than you care about your how fancy your weekly meeting is um they'll know that and you won't be able to shut the doors like the people will flock and then you'll you'll gather a group of men and women around you that really know you love them that have a vision for what you're doing and uh it'll it'll be something genuinely special that that um or i just think about our ministry and that i could talk all day about specific individuals that I'm about to cry right now of people that are because that's what ministry is about. It's about people. It's not about systems or strategies. It's about people that are going to be impacted. And it starts with the leaders. It starts with us investing in leaders. So that's my encouragement. Start small, go deep with those leaders that you do have, and then they'll recruit others. And you'll eventually you'll see a movement over time. Mm. Yeah.
Wow, this episode felt so practical, but also really, really encouraging. And so we hope that everybody who's listening to this, that you're walking away feeling more equipped and honestly just re-energized to pour into your leaders, to love your leaders, and to build that team. We're going to have more resources for you in the show notes, so check those out and subscribe and we'll see you next time or we'll you'll listen to us next time. Have a great rest of your week and we are praying for you.